Our first guest this week is one of my closest friends in life, two-time defensive player of the year for Purdue University, played professionally overseas for nine years, won a gold medal cup in 2012, and is currently an assistant coach at Miami, Ohio. My good friend, Kenneth Lowe. Kenny, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me. So you're coming off your first year as an assistant coach. Uh, I want to get back into your past a little bit, but tell me about this first year being an assistant at Miami for head coach Jack Owens. That's been good. Um, you always think that you're ready to be a coach, but until you actually get into it and, and actually a coach, then um, it's a lot to learn. So um, I got great mentors, Coach Owens, um, J.R. Reynolds, and, and Coach Rudder. So uh, my transition was, was pretty smooth. Well, many people may or may not know, but you and I grew up playing AAU basketball together and then we're college teammates. And going back to your high school days and really even before that, you grew up in Gary, Indiana. You went to Gary Westside High School. And uh, one of the things that, you know, you kind of talked with me about is living in Gary, growing up in Gary, wasn't the, the easiest uh, at times when you were younger. At what age did you know you wanted to play college basketball? And when did you see that that was a chance to really make something for yourself uh, at the next level? Well, I grew up playing baseball. I would play basketball for recreation uh, when, or when it was winter time. But I would say my eighth grade year, um, going into my ninth grade years when I got serious about basketball. Um, until then, it was I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Um, then I started playing basketball. I met Coach John Boyd, and uh, the rest is history. Then um, once I started playing, I, just, I wanted to be the best player in the city. I wanted to be the best player in the state. Uh, I wanted to go to school for free. So at, uh, I would say my ninth grade year was when I really got serious about basketball. One of the other conversations we used to have quite a bit is how much talent was up in the region. Gary, East Chicago, and obviously the Indianapolis area gets most of the attention. There were a lot of really good players, and we'll talk about some of them. But what was it? What was different about you than some of those other guys that allowed you to kind of make it at that next level? When there were other players in that area that had the same, you know, talent or, or maybe even more talent in some cases, but weren't able to reach those dreams. Well, I think I had a strong mom. Uh, my mom always instilled in me work hard at everything I do. Um, one thing growing up, I I had pretty good grades uh, for a kid coming out of Gary. So, um, you know, academics was important to me. And a lot of a lot of guys get lost in the shuffle because they don't take school as serious as I did. So I think that was the one thing that separated me because you know coaches knew I was gonna. Um, be eligible to play. I wasn't going to be a Prop 48 kid or have to go to junior college. So I'm um, just taking school serious. And then, you know, the basketball part was, was um, it came as I got older. Um, I was probably, my ninth grade year, I was probably the fourth or fifth best player on my team um, at, at my age. So I just, the, the way I feel like I surprised people, I just worked and worked and worked and uh, I just got better. Well, knowing you, I mean, that's one of the things I, I think that if anybody talks about you as a player, they talk about your work ethic. And, um, you know, I always joke that when we were first teammates, um, you know, you were a, a athletic turnover machine. And by the time you graduated college, I think people would say that, you know, you had some of the best fundamentals, um, you know, as a player. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about, 
an AAU, our AAU team consisted of guys from all over the state, but there were three of you from Westside High School, and there were three from East Chicago. And tell people a little about that East Chicago West Side rivalry and how intense that was during the year. But then during the AAU season, how you guys were able to put that aside and us be such a talented group and cohesive group? It was a, mut- a mutual respect between um, me, uh, Udi Baker, Marcus Jefferson, and Ricky Wright um, from East Chicago. Uh, it was just a mutual respect. We respected each other. Um, it got to a point where we would fist fight each other if we were in open gym or playing in a game. But after that, we were, we were back friends. So um, it was it was a mutual respect. When we played those guys, it was probably seven, 8,000 people just at that game alone. Uh, so it was, it was a big-time rivalry, big-time talent at both schools. But just having the mutual respect that I have for those guys and that they have for us, it, it made us chill in the summertime. Well, you mentioned one of those guys, um, Carlton Udi Baker from East Chicago. And uh, we always have discussions about, you know, who are the best players we ever played against or with. And, you know, you played uh, against a lot of NBA guys. I always tell people he was the best player I ever played with and maybe even saw. Talk about your experience with Udi and what made him such a great player and kind of a legend uh, in the region. Well, he just had a lot of heart. Uh, he wasn't the biggest guy. I would say he was six seven, max. Um, he just had a he had very long arms, and he just had a lot of heart. He would go battle anybody. Um, I think that's what separated him um, from a lot of guys. He was he was very talented, can do a lot of different things, but he was tough. Um, he wasn't a very big guy, but he was tough and had a lot of heart. And he never he never backed down from anybody. You know, going in the game, he always thought he was the best player on the court. Well, I remember a game in Ohio when we were playing uh, a team with Dan Gadzurek and a guy that uh, went on to play at North Carolina State. And Udi got dunked on at the other end, and he called for our lob, and we came back the other way, and I threw a lob, and it was an awful pass. I probably threw it. I thought I threw it in the stands. And he went up and dunked it and came down on both feet and looked over to Bob Huggins, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, and I think Rick Pitino, came down, dunked it on Gadzurek, and gave a throat slash and looked right over at him. And uh, I'll never forget that moment because uh, the, the court was packed with coaches, and I'd never seen a guy fly that high for a dunk. Yeah, it was a big time play. I remember that play. It was, um, I want to say that team had three McDonald's All-Americans on that team um, that we played against. Uh, I do remember that play. It was probably one of the most impressive plays that I've seen. From our AAU days, we had several guys go play uh, a lot of different good good schools. Um, Ricky Wright went to Villanova. Richard Jefferson was at uh, Iowa State. Um, obviously, you and I went to Purdue. You were uh, recruited you know, pretty heavily. What was your recruiting process like? How did you go about selecting Purdue as your school, and what other schools were in the mix? Well, the, it's funny. I, I think I... <laughs> I took it a little different than, than kids take it nowadays. Uh, I liked the process at first when I first started getting mail. But after that, it I didn't really like the process. Um, you know, I didn't want to, you know, talk to coaches all day and, and you know, have meetings with them and things like that. I just I wanted to get it over as soon as possible. Um, the one thing I wanted to, to play where I wanted to go to school where I could they got up and down. Um, in the beginning so Seton Hall Boston College uh, Michigan and Purdue were probably my they were my top four um, the reason I ended up chosen Purdue is because Coach Katie was honest with me he told me you know as a freshman you may play 10 minutes a game um, you just had better players in front of you um, whereas I felt 
uh, some of the other schools weren't as truthful. And, you know, just I'd rather go somewhere where the coach is honest and honest with me and, and telling me the truth and give, giving it to me how it is than somebody um, being a, a great salesman. So um, that was the reason I picked Purdue, the, the proximity to home. And, you know, Coach Katie was honest with me um, when he came to recruit me. What do you think of, uh, you know, now that you're on the other side of the curtain and you're recruiting kids, you know, one of the changes and the obvious one was when we finished our AAU games, we would have to wait uh, for our coach to talk to every assistant coach that was at the game. And so, you know, an AAU game might finish at 1130 and we wouldn't leave till one o'clock because our ride wouldn't be able to take us because they'd be talking to the coaches. So that was that was one way that's changed. Obviously, that doesn't happen anymore. What are some other changes you've seen in recruiting from the time that you were recruited to the way, we, you know, kids are recruited now? Well, I think social media on the Internet has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, you can uh, promote yourself and a lot more with the Internet and uh, with social media. I think that's one of the biggest differences. And even with, um, you know, the text messages and phone calls, I feel like it's a lot more of that going on now than it was when I was in um, high school. I didn't have a cell phone in high school, so <laughs> it wasn't. I was my phone wasn't getting blown up. Um, my cell phone wasn't. So um, I just think with with um, the technology and the social media is is what what is different now. You know, one of the challenges I think young kids face today, and I've talked to other coaches about, is the comparison game. You know, now kids tweet out their offer. You know, right after they leave, uh, you know, leave campus. When you and I played. You know, we knew who was at the games, but you and I never had discussions about who was recruiting me or who was recruiting you. Now everybody kind of knows everybody's business. And I feel like as players, you know, you kind of get into this dangerous uh, loop of comparing yourself to one another. Do you see that as being a challenge? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's all about um, you know like the flashiness of it. The uh, you know look look at what I got, look at who's offering me. Then I I don't know if they take it as serious as we did. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 they. I mean kids will put out the interest, the offers. Um, you know my top fifty, my top. 25 you know what I mean like we I would never have done nothing like like that as a kid because um as if a school offered me I was honored you know I didn't take no no offer lightly um every school that offered me I took it serious because I feel like it's an honor to get an offer because um you know a, a lot of the, the great schools they don't just throw out a bunch of offers you know the, a lot of coaches don't want to do that um some do some don't but you know I just think we took it more serious that if a school was interested in calling an offer than maybe nowadays. And I think the other dangerous part about that is you want to pick, I always tell kids, you know, you're not picking a school for the two weeks. Everybody's going to slap you on the back at school. You're picking a school for four years and you're going to have to live with those four years. And so, you know, some of these kids uh, and, you know, when they're comparing or, you know, maybe trying to play at a level uh, just for the sake of playing in a power five school, when in reality they could go be a stud or be a star uh, at a quality mid-major school. And ultimately, what we've seen in the NCAA tournament, a lot of these mid-major schools uh, are, are advancing pretty far. Right. I, I don't think it's a big difference, um, you know, with the talent. If it's like one thing Coach Fainer always said is it's basketball players everywhere. Um, it's, it's very like in my league alone, it's some very, very good players that I know for sure can play in the Big Ten. I was just working in the Big Ten for four years and I played in the Big Ten for four years. And there's multiple guys in our conference right now in the MAC that can play and start in the Big Ten. So um, 
I just feel like you got to go with your best fit. Um, you know, go go where it's a great education and the best fit for you, not the name. Because that's why, you know, you see 900,000 kids transferring now. Um, I never would want to go through that process because think about it. You take three or four years to pick a school and now you pick the school and now you got to go through that same process and and a two-month span to try to pick another school. So I just feel like you got to go with where you're going to get a quality education and what's the best fit for you. Well, you know, the the success of mid-majors, I, I like to use this example. Courtney Lee, A.J. Ratliff, and George Hill, all, uh, I think, Indiana All-Stars are all studs um, coming out of high school. I think A.J. Ratliff may have been Mr. Basketball. You know, he goes to IU. George goes to IUPUI. Uh, Courtney Lee goes goes to Western Kentucky and I'm not sure what AJ Ratliff's doing but those other two guys are still playing professionally and Georgia is obviously playing in the you know conference finals and I I think it says a lot of going to uh, a mid-major school and being able to kind of be able to play through mistakes um, and really kind of shine at maybe an earlier time in your career yeah like we were we we're um, blessed to have we had three freshmen start this year um and they they are very talented, very very talented guys, and they were able to start and, and play through through a lot of mistakes that they made. Um, and at times we have four freshmen that started, so I think you know for them, their next year they're going to have a ton of experience because they were able to play through their mistakes where, you know, a lot of places they probably wouldn't have been able to do that, you know? So I think, I think, you know, being able to play, playing is the best solution for, in my opinion, for you to get better. You sit there and learn or you play. Um, and, but I just think playing for, for me personally, I think playing um, is the best solution. And uh, our guys were able to do that and it, it's going to pay off for them in the, in the long run. And I know they're all happy with the decision that they made to come to Miami. Well, you mentioned, obviously, playing uh, at an early time in your career. When you were a freshman, you were part of a team that went to an Elite Eight. You knew it was a talented team coming in. You knew that there were going to be really good guys in front of you. But you carved out a, uh, a niche for yourself in that rotation. What were the challenges like about joining such a talented team and then the adjustment from high school basketball to what the expectations are in college? The physicality um, was 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 t- was hard for me. I was I wasn't a very thin guy, but you know I was sitting behind uh, juniors and seniors that were very strong. They've been lifting weights for three or four years. Um, I would just get I'll basically get pushed around every day of practice. And it wasn't that I wasn't lifting weights hard. I just didn't have the weight on me yet or the strength. Um, that was a big adjustment. And just scouting report things. Um, you know we. We wasn't as thorough in high school as um, with our scouting with our scouting reports, but um, going to a defensive-minded coach, Coach Gene Katie, um, scouting reports are important. So that was that was one of the adjustments for me was um, just understanding what we're doing um, in different situations. Well, you mentioned playing for Coach Katie. He's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. I think people are always curious. They always ask me, "What was it like playing for Coach?" and uh, that experience. I'll ask you, uh, what was it like? What do you think it was like playing for Coach Katie? It wasn't easy. I tell you that. A lot of people, um, including yourself, um, you know, Coach Painter and, and Coach Owens and all those guys, a lot of people gave me a lot of crap saying that I was his favorite player, but it wasn't easy. Um, he was tough. He was demanding. Um, but for, in my opinion, he was fair. So the one thing you know you had to do, you had to come to practice and practice hard every day. You have to go to class every day. So 
the, the, I tell people all the time that the big thing that I got out of playing basketball at Purdue was was growing up as a man. Um, you know, coming in as a immature 17, 18 year old guy to, to play basketball, and I felt like I left as a man. Uh, it was more off the court um, learning lessons than on the court. So, you know, that, that's why I'm always going to have a lot of love for Coach Katie because he helped me grow. Well, as you mentioned, obviously there was, you know, it was a challenge. And, and I think that uh, Coach was 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 pushing uh, all of us. Um, you know, it was hard at times. But I always tell people kind of what you alluded to. You know, now that I'm in this business and I've been around different people, you interact with coaches that are either only concerned about, you know, wins and losses. And I always felt like, yes, Coach wanted to win championships. You know, yes, he was going to push us in the classroom. But he was more concerned about when we graduated and we left that we developed as young men and he cared about us being well-rounded and being prepared to be successful to go into the real world. Yes. And I think that's important. You know, parents give their, basically give their kids to coaches for four or five years. Um, and it's our responsibility to help those kids grow to become men and graduate and then teach them the game of basketball. But in my opinion is, 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 is those the growing to be a man and graduating is first. And then the basketball part will take care of itself, especially if he has a strong work that. Well, you had a heck of a career and, uh, you were named Defensive Player of the Year twice uh, in in four years, which is really impressive. Talk to me about some of the things in your preparation or some of the nuances that you focused on that helps you be able to be such a shutdown defensive player. I tried to mix it up. I didn't want to guard somebody the same way every time. Um, I, and it's hard. It's just... Just, just something that I picked up. It wasn't nothing that I really was taught or learned, but I just I wanted to mix it up. So, for instance, if I was guarding a guy full court, and I know coaches say never do this, I would deny it, fake deny it, and then if they try to throw over the top, I will just sprint back and try to cut them off. Sometimes I let them catch it. You know, sometimes I may get one arm in. Um, you know, I would just do those. I would just mix. Um, that's a, just an example of how I would mix it up when I'm guarding someone. So I just I tried to mix it up and I tried to be physical with people. A lot of guys they don't like contact. Even though I was a thin guy, I, I didn't mind contact at all. No, you definitely didn't mind contact. And I always joked I loved having you as a teammate. If I was on the other team, you would have drove me crazy. It seemed like you were always stirring something up with somebody and and then leaving the scene like you know I didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, it just it's, it's mental. Um, I grew up watching Michael Jordan and saw how he intimidated guys and, and had guys off their game. So, you know, that's that's one thing that you can do on both ends of the court. It's just, you know, you can get, if you can get in somebody's head, um, <laughs> that's half the battle right there. I feel like the game is won. You know, obviously you were a phenomenal defender. Tell me some of the who, – who are some of the more difficult defenders or offensive players that you had to defend uh, while at Purdue? I would say – I didn't guard him for a long period of time, but T.J. Ford was was, was one of the most difficult. Uh, T.J. Ford, Darren Williams was, was difficult because he was just so shifty. Um, but the good thing about it, he was a pass first guy, so that kind of saved my butt a lot. That you know he may shake me or get around me a little bit when he was looking to pass it. But I would say T.J. Ford was probably the hardest because he was just he was so fast. He was so fast. 
Well, the the player I remember you locking up the best was Richard Jefferson uh, from Arizona, who played in the NBA. You held him to zero points in an upset win uh, when we when we beat Arizona in Bankers Life Fieldhouse. So, you know, I'll never forget uh, never forget that aspect. But I also thought, you know, the way you defended raised everybody else's you know level of play, and um, you know we always knew, and I thought our post players kind of knew this that you know they could kind of gamble a little bit more because. You know, you had such good recovery speed uh, from a defensive standpoint. What changes do you see in the game now? Uh, I was watching an old game of ours, and I feel like strategy has improved immensely from when we played to now. What are some of the changes, maybe strategy-wise, have you seen? Well, just, you know, to be honest, since I've been around Coach Jones and Coach Painter, the way they defend things is a lot different than what I did as a player. Um, but I, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Just just um, a small example is just being on your line compared to when we were playing, we were we were trying to deny. Um, and, you know, with denying, you can get backdoored a lot, um, uh, easily get fouls. Somebody can try to wrap, the, wrap you up um, and go in backdoor. Um, just, just a lot of the strategy has changed, like you said, with offensively and defensively. And, you know, I kind of like the um, – I kind of like this this new age of, of the way teams are playing defense and the way we are teaching it compared to when I played. There was definitely like two ways we guarded the ball screen. And now you can ice a ball screen, you can switch a ball screen, you can, you know, go low and force them into it. You know, we guarded it two ways. The other thing, too, is you see teams switching uh, more and more. That never happened when we played. And I just think that with scouting, with the video uh, synergy that we're able to, you know, access things so much more, I think it's uh, advanced the defensive side of things quite a bit. Yes, yes. Um, I, I think we do a fair amount here in Miami of, of defensive scouting. Um, we spend a lot of time on it, a lot of time on it. And I, and it's important. I feel like we have our basis of what we do on defense, and we would tweak little things for our games. But um, I really like our base that coaches implemented um, for our team. I think with our personnel, it helps. Um, next year we have a little more length, so we'll see if we change a few things. But with our base, I really like what coach is doing. The other thing I think that's interesting about you, and I feel like that's what's going to make you a good coach, is you've experienced kind of all ends of the spectrum. You've been a guy that was a, a um, role player your first couple years. You ended up being a you know kind of the star of our team, but you also had something else. You had to battle multiple injuries while at Purdue. In fact, you were in the class above me and ended up having to redshirt one year. Talk about what it's like to battle multiple injuries in a career to come back from that to try to get back in a flow and still have the kind of success that you're used to having man i would tell you it was conzo martin was was big um when i was going through those injuries uh, he's and he's the probably the main reason why i wanted to be a coach um he was just always in my ear he was being positive uh, i had a great great mom i had a great support system at home um those people were, were, were very vital for me to keep my head and um not to get down on myself and t- try to get back and be even better but i will tell you it was tough man it was some it was some long nights it was some long months because uh, all the injuries i had were you know seven to eight months before i can play again so it wasn't nothing where i was out for a month or i was out for a couple weeks it was all very very serious injuries but you know my support system um coach martin um the doctors that i was dealing with they were they were all great man and they were always in my ear and talking to me and that's what that's what helped me kept me going 
but it, it got I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie it got tough at times but I had to try to keep my spirit as best as I can well I thought we had a team that could have won the Big Ten uh, our senior year and uh, we lost one of our players at semester and then you got hurt uh, at IU and so we ended up not having the senior year I think we hoped to uh, but it's tough when you lose you know two of your better players after you graduated um, you went on and, and played professionally overseas for nine years you know people hear about guys going overseas and um, but they don't I don't think they know much about like what's the differences what's the what's that experience like what are the differences from games and practices to what you experienced in college it's night and day it was night and day and to be honest in each country is, is different experiences um, on each level is different experience my first year I was I went into a situation to where the year before they had um, a guard that was uh, he was a scoring guard and they had a pass first point guard I came into a situation where I had a shoot first point guard uh, playing with me so they was always comparing me to the guy that was there the year before but not understanding that our point guard shoots the ball a lot more than, than his point guard did so um, you know it was a lot of back and forth and um, you know not having a, your support system with you and back then we didn't have all the FaceTimes and you know where you could tell text message overseas if you got internet it was it was difficult um you know to try to keep your head when the situation is not going good because you're over there by yourself so it just it just depends on on your situation man and i think that's in basketball in general on any level you know when you're in a good situation your experience is better so i was in a good situation i went to finland and my experience was better um i was in a good situation in germany and my experience was better so you know it's places where uh, I just wasn't in a good situation. I didn't have a great experience. What were some of the differences, though, in strategy? I think I remember you talking to me about you know, just the ball moving more. There was a lot more ball movement than what you know took place here in the states. Yeah, it was a lot of lot more ball movement and a lot more pick and roll. After my third year, I started to play some point guard, and I loved it. And I wish I would have played it throughout college and uh, my first three years. Just just being able to. Um, being in a pick and roll situation with a big that can shoot, it was it was hard to guard because you know when they switch, I could go around that five. When they tried to hard hedge it, I would pick and pop, and my big guy can shoot. So um, it was a lot of pick and roll um, going on when I was playing. Well, thank the Lord that they didn't let you play point guard. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> you know, one of the other questions I you mentioned Conzo Martin. Um, you know, was being a heavy, heavy influence on you. He was for me as well and still is. At what point did you know that you wanted to pursue a career in coaching? That's a good, great question. It didn't come to me early because when I left Purdue, my whole focus was to, to make it to the NBA. Um, once that was, um, that reality didn't kick in, it was to be the best player and win championships in Europe. So I was really focused on that. And as I came back and in the summer times and I would go down to West Lafayette and I would work out with the guys and I would scrimmage with the guys. Um, that's when it started to hit me. You know, I, I could see some of these young men were lost. Um, you know, some of them were, were in situations that I was in and come from the same circumstances that I came from. And they just needed somebody to talk to. And, you know, they used to always call me Uncle Low or OG or Big Bro. Um, and that, that's when I, I kind of figured that I wanted to be in this business. Well, the other thing that I think sometimes I always laugh, I was having a dinner one time and we were sitting around and we were talking about what we do. And I, you know, this is back when I was a, an assistant coach and, 
he said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm an assistant coach, you know, at IEPY. And he said, what do you do? And, and he told me, and I said, uh, he says, but I want to get into coaching too. That's what my plan is. And I kind of asked his background and what his plan of attack was. And it was just so unrealistic. And I think sometimes people don't understand how hard it is to get in this business and the, you know, the, the difficult jobs that it may require before you're at that assistant position that you're at today. What was it like for you? Uh, it was hard. It's, it's a lot of um, part of my story that a lot of people don't know. I would say my last five years, I would come home in the summers. I would email. I would call. <laughs> Every coach that recruited me, um, the coaches that I knew, um, especially the coaches that were from in the state of Indiana, and just, you know, Axon was their graduate assistant position. Um, I would do that. I did that every summer for five years. Um, and I got lucky. I will say I got lucky with, with Coach Painter. Um, he, I would come back with the guys, and we would talk a little bit, and he asked me what I wanted to do. And I told him I wanted to coach, and he told me when I was done um, to give him a call when I was done playing overseas. So before my last year, my body was tired. I was I was just tired of playing basketball, um, to be honest. So I was, you know, I had a couple injuries, knee injuries that I never had any injuries before. So that kind of slowed me down. I was ready to be done, and he t- and I told him um, that you know, coach, this is my last year, and he said, all right, just get with me when you get back, and he created a position for me, and um, so all this, the reason I'm in a position I am now is you know a lot because of Coach Painter, and I know he he probably asked Coach Martin and Coach Katie what type of person I was because when I was leaving, that's when he was coming in. So the reason you know one of the, the reason I am here is because you know he gave me the opportunity four years ago. Um, so I'm always going to be indebted to him and thankful for him and, and bloom for the, for, their, for their guidance that they gave me and helping me get that position. And then Coach Brantley, Coach Gary, and Coach Owens for, for letting me learn it from them. So you mentioned Coach Painter gave you that first role, and it was a role as a video coordinator. What did you learn about game prep and strategy in that position? Yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, being in that position, I, I was probably ahead of the curve there. Um, than a lot of assistant coaches, first-time assistant coaches, because I know game prep, I know scouting reports, um, I know how to put together edits for for um, team videos. So um, I think this was, that was the best way um, a guy can come into this business. If you can learn how to do those things with being around the meetings and being around the coaches that you can get a, a good grasp of being an assistant coach. Well, you know, while you were there, obviously you got to uh – see just how coach painter does things but you got to compete against some of the best in college basketball which coach uh, of an opposing team impressed you the most and why i like um, vermont vermont thing vermont coach did a um they do a great job out there um with those kids play hard they know who they are um they don't back down that was one of the schools i would say was vermont Northwestern, Northwestern is a difficult scout. That's one scout I hope I never have. Um, they have so many plays, and they have their their system was perfect for the players that they had. So I would say those two um, were were probably the two of the toughest. I mean, two of the um, good coaches that that I saw. When you went from player to coach, what what were some of the biggest surprises that as a player you didn't appreciate, but now I'm being on the other side. It's like, man, I, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, game prep. Game prep, um, practice prep, 
just just how much it goes into it. Um, I don't think I still don't think players really understand how much goes into a game prep um, and a um, practice. Even for practice, like the way um, Coach Painter and Coach Owens do it, they're very thorough. Um, you know, so they want to stay on schedule, and I, I think for the most part we did a good job with that this year but it's a lot that goes into it a lot of thought what do you want to do um just the process of building your defense um from the beginning of practice um beginning of the year throughout the year so i I would say those two things well then you know the other thing too is um the time spent is not just like i think sometimes as a player you think that the coaches show up at practice meet a little (laughs) bit before you know they don't realize that the academic side all the meetings that take place, all the logistical stuff that takes place. You know, for me personally, you know, when I was the operations guy, I was, you know, doing laundry. I was, uh, you know, making milkshakes for the guys in the morning. And, you know, there's just a lot of tedious jobs early and kind of as you work your way up, they go unnoticed. Yes, yes. And like like you said, man, it's, it's a lot that goes into it. No matter what level you're on, it's, it's, it's always a lot of, of logistic that goes into to a daily day-to-day um basis you had any moments yet as a uh, you know in the video coordinator role or as an assistant role where you thought you know you kind of had a, a big oops i had uh when i was working for coach hunter uh it was my scout and i was usually really good with my scout as far as not needing a lot of notes and we went to vegas and uh I, uh, on the flight, I don't like to fly. And so the trainer gave me some medicine. Well, the medication she gave me did not react well. And we went right from the plane to practice. And I remember I was trying to walk through the team's plays and I, I mean, it was almost as if I was drunk. And the finally coach Hunter had to step in and be like, you know, Austin, do you, do you know what's going on? And that's when the trainer realized that, you know, the medication she gave me backfired but what an embarrassing moment for a young coach yeah I would say um, <laughs> probably I had one of those moments where um, I watched a lot of film I just got addicted to it uh, as I was a, vi- a video coordinator produce so I like to see what different coaches do um, so it, we had a moment this year to where I probably watched eight games I, I was I was eight games in and, and Coach Owens he's still an assistant coach uh, mode so he was watching film and I think it was the second day of our prep for the scout and I went through um, a lot of their plays the first day and it was something that I I knew I saw but I just didn't go through it and then he watched one game and and, and, and saw them running a couple of times he was like "Lo, why we didn't go through this and I was like man <laughs> like I was so mad because I, like, I watched I watched seven or eight games he had he was on his first game and it was something that um they did a lot later on not early in the year so i was pretty upset about that well i think we always have you know all of us have stories like that i got a good friend of mine that when we played their their school when i was a head coach they left their scouting report out and it had you know her name on it and uh i politely grabbed the scout waited till the game was over and then i went and found her and i never told her boss but i said hey you might not want to leave this out the next time uh you know a team's in town so i think we've all had those experiences this past year you know was your first year being able to be on the floor you know when you're in the video coordinator role you don't really get a coach now you're on the floor you're out recruiting what was it like in your first year getting to to, to be part of all that 
the on the court stuff is it's always a learning process. Um, me and Coach Owens had a few meetings about um, the way I, I handle um, certain parts of practice, and you know, he just said it's the only way you're gonna be great at it just through practice. So I feel like I did an okay job. It could have been better. Um, I just my thing is I gotta after we meet and uh, whatever drills I want to do, I just got to come up with them quicker. Um, for me this year, I just needed a little bit more time um, to try to think and, and put things together than a veteran assistant coach. So, you know, that's the one thing I know I got to get better in. And, and managing my time is another thing. It's just so much day-to-day stuff that you have to do with the recruiting, with academics, with, you know, still got to take care um, be on top of your guys that you have already. So just managing my time is another thing that I think I need to get better at also. Well, one of the things that's kind of cool about Coach Katie's coaching tree and really kind of Coach Painter's now is there's a lot lot of us in different places. And I think everybody kind of takes certain aspects. You know, the defensive stuff, the core of the defensive stuff is what I think's traveled kind of everywhere. You know, Bruce Weber at Kansas State, you know, uh, Zoe uh, at Missouri, uh, you know, even Link, uh, you know, at Wisconsin Green Bay, and now Jack, um, you know, Owens at, at Miami. Everybody kind of has that core defensive philosophy. But what are some of the subtle changes you've noticed uh, working for Coach Owens uh, in the past year? Uh, not too much, to be honest. Uh, not too much. He's he's a he's he's always going to be a defensive minded guy. But the one change I will say, um, he's more offensively minded than a lot of people would ever give him credit for. Um, I think the one thing that, um, especially for African American assistants, when they get their first head coaching job, the one thing people always talk about is, oh, he's going to be able to recruit. He's going to be able to recruit. But Coach Owens actually has a great basketball mind. Um, he's he's. And I didn't see that at Purdue because it was it wasn't his job at Purdue. But now that you know he's the head coach, I see the offensive side come out of him, and he's he's really good with it. Well, I tuned into your guys' game against Ohio State, and I know you lost that game, but man, I mean, it was a great battle, and and you could see you guys run some really good stuff, and you've got some good young talent. That looks like you got a lot of momentum going into next season. Yes, and you know that's the one thing that we still try to preach our, preach to our young guys is you know they had a. Some of them had a great freshman year. Some of them had a good freshman year. But now you got to get better because you wasn't on people's scouting reports last year. You know, people looked at Miami and probably looked at, you know, it's probably going to be an easy win um, just from the previous few years. But now... You know, Nike Sabani is going to be on the top of the scout report. Jalen Attaway, Delonte Brown, Isaiah Coleman Lance, like those guys, Ringo, they're going to be at the top and the focal point of everybody's scout report. So it's going to be tougher and it's going to be a lot harder. So they got to stay level headed and keep working. And I think this spring was actually pretty good for our guys. I think even in the few weeks that we had to work with them, that they got better. So hopefully we keep that same momentum and and they come back in, in the summer and, and be ready to work. I always like to ask coaches at the end of their year, I always feel like, you know, there's a million things you can improve, but I always feel like there's something, one or two things that stands out individually to each person about man these are these this is the one or two things i want to improve myself going into the next year what are those two things or one or two things for you time management uh time management is one is i just feel like that's going to be key for my for my success and growth and for me to be able to help miami better just managing my time better and, and just being just being better at, at, at my job and being better at my scouts. Uh, I want to be. I was upset that I lost a couple of scouts, <laughs> so I want to. I want to go undefeated with my scouts next year, and I just want to. And 
the, the, but the big thing for me is just just managing my time better. As somebody like yourself that's gone from uh, you know Gary, Indiana, and is a, an incredible success story uh, of how you've you know been able to to use basketball in such a positive way, from getting your degree to playing professionally to now being an assistant coach that gets to influence and impact lives. What advice would you have to uh, a young Kenny Lowe uh, growing up in, in, you know, in Gary, Indiana, of, of what what are some things that you'd, you'd tell tell that young self now that, that you know, you might know from from the experiences that you've had over the years? It's going to get better. Uh, don't never get too high. Don't never get too low. But, you know, a lot of times people who grew up in those situations, they, they don't feel like it's going to get any better. Um, but if you if you be a good person, you work hard on and off the court, you'll succeed. And I think a lot of times, you know, people um, that's coming from the Gary's, the Chicago's, the, you know, east side of Indianapolis, they don't feel like that their life can get any better. They just, because all they see is the, the ghetto and the hood and the negative and the violence. They, that's all they see, but, you know, it's, it's ways out of it. And you just got to work at it. So the other thing I like, you know, this time of the year is NBA playoffs. And I think as, as coaches, it's almost like a mini coaching clinic every night. Um, who are your, some of your favorite teams to watch and why? Utah Jazz. I was in office the other day arguing with, with, um, with our staff. The way they move the ball, the way they pass. Um, when you got a young guy like um, Mitchell out there just playing at an extremely high level right now, uh, they're, they're, they've been my favorite team to watch. And also Boston. Um, I love watching young guys succeed. And those young guys out there are playing well with the veteran Al Horford. So I would say Boston and Utah is probably my two favorite teams that I've watched this playoffs. And they both play so hard on defense. Oh, I like Boston from the standpoint of their uh – stagger series that they run and and it, you know Brad Stevens does such a good job of if you don't get option one or two, there's still three or four. And in the NBA, sometimes that, you know, not every team has that. Usually it goes into ISO ball. The other one is I just love the Warriors split actions out of the post and the different ways that they will, you know, sometimes they'll hit a post and there'll be a screen away. Sometimes it'll be a flare. Sometimes it'll even be a back screen where they use their post as a passer and not necessarily, uh, you know, in a, as a threat to score uh, when they have some of their bigs on the floor. Yeah, I think Golden State is probably the best passing team I've ever seen. What do you seen. What do you think of the the Rockets and their strategy? I mean, basically, it's give Chris Paul, give James Harden the ball, and everybody else stand around and watch. I mean, I know it scores a lot of points, and I know their mentality is threes and layups, but from a coaching perspective, I mean, what do you think of that? I don't like it, but as a fan of, of basketball and knowing that James James Harden is probably the most unguardable guy in the NBA. It's fun to watch, but I don't. I, don't, I personally don't don't like watching it. But it's, it's it also is fun to watch when you just you know. And you know what's funny now? <laughs> and I was talking with Coach Painter about this uh, a couple years ago. I can't just watch a game without analyzing things. You know, once I came to Purdue um, as a video coordinator, you know, when I'm watching games, now it's, oh, they're running this, they're doing this, they're doing that. Like, before it was just watching it for, see who's going to get dunked on or watching your favorite player. So I think I think that's, that's also been a change that I've had since I've been in this coaching business. Well, I would say the same thing. And one area I would add to it is end of game situations, the timeout advance. You know, we have that in the women's game. You guys don't yet. And uh, man, it makes the last minute, you know, a lot of fun. I mean, we've won some games and we've lost some games because of it. But, you know, it really 
preparation, execution, you know, that stuff matters. And I mean, you look at it in the first two rounds, I mean, Brad Stevens coached those guys under the table and mismanagement of timeouts or maximizing timeouts come sometimes can be the difference in the game. Yeah. I love his composure. Um, you know, he, if he's winning or losing, he has the same composure for the most part. So I think as a coach, that's very hard to do. You think about your highs and lows and, you know, when <laughs> when you probably got fired up because your girls wasn't playing hard or I know when I got fired up when our guys didn't follow our assignments. But the way he keeps his composure is very impressive. Now, you live in Ohio country currently and you grew up, uh, you know, watching Michael Jordan. I'm going to ask you. You got to give me a specific answer. There's no, there's no dancing around it. Michael Jordan or LeBron, which one's better? Right now, I'm going with Michael. Right now, I'm going with Michael. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you're talking to you're you're preaching to the choir to me. I'm 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 a Michael Jordan, uh, and we could talk about this for hours. But yeah, I, I still think it's Michael. Although what LeBron's doing in this playoffs is really impressive, uh, really impressive. And you know he's. Uh, but I, I I think I talked about this in one of the other podcasts. Like the players that he has around him, they keep saying that you know he's got such a poor cast. But I mean. A lot of these guys were really good on some of their different teams. So I'll be anxious to see what happens here against Boston. And then can he can he win a championship, you know, without a Kyrie, without some of those guys by his side? If he can, then, you know, that may that may push him over the top. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people are saying. If he wins this year, then it's probably you can seriously consider it. That he's better, but even if he win this year, I'm not saying that as of now. But five years from now, it could be different. But as of now, today, if you ask me today, I'm, I'm going with Michael. Who's your favorite coach's NBA to watch? I would say Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens. I, I, I like Steve Kerr. I like Steve Kerr because to me, those two guys is is, is they're coaching more like um, like they're coaching in college. Than, than the one-on-one ISO ball that Cleveland is doing and the the uh, the Rockets. So, you know, Golden State ball's moving is incredible. They're always moving. They're always cutting. Um, they do a good job of finding each other. So I would say Steve Kerr and Brad Stevens. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this because I think people always enjoy these stories. But give me uh, – tell me one of your funniest Coach Katie stories from uh, your four years. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to say his name because he's one of my very good friends, but it was one of my teammates. He was a freshman at the time. <laughs> We're in Las Vegas, and something happened um, where Coach was really mad at him, and it wasn't it wasn't because of basketball. It was something else. We were eating dinner, and I was immature, and we were immature at the time, so we would order, always order too much food. Like, we would order um, a hot chocolate, a lemonade, a tea, you know, just, just being kids and being immature and some of us never being able to, to eat whatever we wanted because we didn't go out to eat. But we so we were out to eat and we were finishing up dinner and Coach was really mad at this this freshman and um we were about to leave and then Coach looked at him and was like, We're not leaving till he he finished his food. So I felt bad for the young man because he was a freshman. We sat there another I would say thirty, forty five minutes till till he ate everything that was on his plate. <laughs> Well, uh, Kenny, it's, it's great to chat with you. I always enjoy, you know, talking with you throughout the course of the year and uh, being able to kind of 
find out what you guys are doing and, and following your progress and uh, best of luck next year and, and in the future. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Special thanks to one of my all-time favorite people, Kenny Lowe. We go a long way back, back to our AAU days, college days at Purdue. Uh, he stood up in my wedding, and he's been a, a really good friend, but I've always been impressed with his uh, career arc, uh, how he made it out of Gary, what he did for himself in college basketball, how he went on to play professional, and what he's doing now as a young and up-and-coming assistant coach. I think he's going to be somebody uh, a lot of people are going to be impressed with in the next five to ten years on the coaching scene. So once again, thanks for tuning into the broadcast this week. Uh, go to iTunes, uh, subscribe, sign up for Parks Pod. We'd love to have you rate us. Everybody enjoy the conference finals this week as you watch the Cavs, Celtics, Warriors, Rockets. Should be some great battles across the way. So everybody have a great week.